Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. On this episode of Awesome Etiquette, we tackle your questions on if you should write thank you notes on behalf of someone else, handling noisy neighbors, shutting down a polite conversation, how to handle scheduling snafus, and an etiquette issue involving pizza toppings. All that plus a postscript segment from our favorite book, The Rituals of Dinner by Margaret Visser, coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be part of the Infinite Guest Network from American Public Media. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning from the Emily Post Institute. So, winter came. With a vengeance. Holy cold. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Huntington, Vermont, temperatures, according to Google, have been hovering right around zero, one, two degrees. Up on the mountain where we are, it hasn't been above zero in about three days. Oh, and I was going to complain about five degrees here in Burlington, but... It's been bad everywhere. Dude, I'll give it to you. Cold. It's bitter cold. Although I think we're coming out of it. What do you think that... Do you think that has any effect on our politeness? Like, I, I find... T- I have two thoughts on it. Okay. Okay. I got the one thought that everyone is so cold that they're so bundled up that they ignore everybody around them because it's like, I just want to get out of this. It's awful. That was my first thought was the withdrawal, that everyone's just tightening up. And the (laughs) other one is that it gives everyone like a common thing to complain about. And so it's almost like you feel bad for everybody around you right now. And so I think you could maybe see more little acts of chivalry like – you know, helping someone out who's got a lot of packages going through a door or you, you know, and I are right thinking, on like, the, the same wavelength yeah. on this one, because the second thought I have was the whole safety courtesy thing. Totally. And all of a sudden it's a real deal. If you need help in yeah. this kind of bitter cold, someone's going to give it to you because it's more than just, oh, could I mean, it might really be the difference between frostbite right? ears or fingers or t- like real comfort bordering on safety. safety and, yeah. and people will do more for each other well, in you, those conditions. You know, you talk about safety and immediately my mind goes to the black ice and ice that's everywhere right now. And it's just like the slip. I just feel like everyone is a little more concerned with other people because There could be some big repercussions like you're talking about. And I think we're just aware of that when you live in these kind of conditions or you see some dude like shoveling out his driveway and you're like, oh, I've so been there. I know exactly what you're going through, man. When your neighbor out of the goodness of his heart just takes his plow and sweeps through your driveway and you find it plowing like that. It's yeah, it's amazing. It's that's when I bake him a pie. I'm just like that was unbelievable. Thank you. So you brought up sort of a seasonal courtesy. Totally. And we often yeah. talk about regional courtesies. Yeah. And I say sometimes jokingly about Vermont when people are, oh, it's so amazing. And I'd, lo- I'd love to live there. And I say, you know, a lot of people would. It is gorgeous. But the winter keeps people honest. And it, does. it really does. There's something to the 
the brutal truth, <laughs> the brutal truth <laughs> of a of really cold winter. I tell you, though, last weekend I went up to Stowe to my favorite hiking trail with my friend Justin. And when I was, I, I would say in my 20s, the cold really bothered me. I hated the winter. I wished I could leave Vermont, that sort of thing. But now... The past two years, I've just been like, no, winter's going to happen and I'm looking forward to it. There's something nice about settling in and having this incredibly crisp, fresh air. And the snow does make things moist. And so, like, when you're outside, there's just this feeling of rejuvenation. And, I mean, I know we're in the first month of the year. And so it's like I'm kind of, like, running with all of that. But I did. I went on this hike with him. And, you know, Benny was, like, running around having a blast. The sound in the winter. It's crisp. Crisp. It's crisp. It's beautiful. The starkness of some of the vistas and views. I mean, it's it's really beautiful. Well, and let's just face it. I mean, Vermont up on the mountains in the winter looks like Narnia. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's like evergreen and gorgeous snow. And the hike we had was like waterfalls with ice. And it was unbelievable. It was definitely one of those things that made me so appreciate the season rather than like really be upset by those negative zero temps. Welcome winter. Welcome winter. Oh, wait, should we talk about some etiquette on this show? <laughs> Let's. Okay. It looks all right, but what am I supposed to do? That's the question. On each and every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. This note's about when thank you notes seem difficult. My son got engaged over the summer to a lovely girl who is vision impaired. She has a hard time writing thank you notes, and my son is illegible handwriting, so I'm thinking about writing the thank you notes for the gifts they are getting. How do I go about it? Should I pretend that I'm them writing the notes? What should I say? My son types everything on the computer, so should I do that and just have him address and sign the cards? His fiance lives six hours away, so it's difficult for both of them to sign them. Should I purchase a stamp with their signatures? Best, Sarah. So I, I'm, I appreciate the thought in wanting to help, yep. but it takes. A lot of the genuineness, I believe, out of those thank you notes if you write them for your son and his fiance. And I understand that she's visually impaired. And and you stated that she has a hard time writing thank you notes because of that. And your son has illegible handwriting. And that means it's hard for anyone to read what he writes if he writes a thank you note. But I also think these are two adults. Mm -hmm. And they've been living their lives for a while. And they've found workarounds for this, I'm sure. And I would go so far as to say I really think – that between the two of them, they can type the notes and hand sign them. And I understand that they live six hours away from each other right now. But what I would suggest is that they kind of do a bulk swap, like each week or maybe over the course of two weeks, write all the thank you notes and then send them to each other to add the other signature and then have the person who adds the second signature send it out. But I do think that's really important that it comes from them. I really don't think you should be writing the notes for them. Yeah, I'm just going to say, I really don't think you should be writing the notes for them. But I can understand where you want to help and you, you want to make it something that's really positive. I just think these need to genuinely come from the couple. So the one thing I will say is that it's a really good idea to do some kind of note card that you're going to be printing onto. And whether that is writing up the individual notes, and I do think these should be individual notes. You should not write, thank you so much for the lovely gift 
you know, we print can't wait to use it and print out 15 of them. Exactly, Dan. I think instead what you should do is each of those notes should be separate. And if you have to take each of those little Word documents that you create to write the notes to some kind of a printer to have them printed up individually, I just I really think it's important that you do that. I wouldn't suggest just printing them out on regular printer paper and stuffing that in an envelope. You want this to look as much like a card as possible. You want this to look as much like a handwritten note as possible. And I totally think it's okay that they type these. I really, really do. I just think that the way they go around making it appear like a nice thank you card is going to show that effort and that appreciation really well. Sarah, I really hope that that helps. And um, congratulations to your son and his fiance. That's awesome. Our next question is probably what Dan and I find one of the hardest things to deal with, and that's handling noisy neighbors. Dear Lizzie and Dan, I've been listening to your podcast since the dinner party download days and love discussing the questions presented with friends before we listen to your answers. I love that game, by the way. I Mm -hmm. want that to, like, become a game. Thanks for contributing to—no, you know what I mean? Like, I want that to be a thing. All right. Thanks for contributing to a lively discussion. My husband and I recently moved into a new apartment, which we love, but we're dealing with some really thin walls. Our building is relatively small. We live in one of three units, and our main issue is with our upstairs neighbors. They seem to need no sleep at all and are up at 5.30 a.m. every day and 4.30 some days, walking around and sometimes, as far as I can tell from the sounds, rolling suitcases and other objects along the floor. We also at times have heard them arguing and other sounds Well, better left unsaid. I've tried a white noise machine, fans, and earplugs, and nothing seems to keep the noise out. I recognize that they have a different schedule, so I don't know how much can be done about the walking around, though I'm really hoping something. But I would at least like to ask that they shut the exterior gate a little more quietly when they leave the house, as the gate is right next to our bedroom wall and clangs very loudly when left to close on its own. I also want them to have an awareness of just how much we can hear. I have only met one member of the household once in passing. I tried to make a friendly gesture when we moved in of leaving some chocolate at their door with a note introducing ourselves, but received no response to this, which makes me worry a bit about retaliation. My sleep is important to me, and I haven't felt well rested since we moved in two months ago. And soothing though they are, I'd rather be listening to your voices during my drive to work than at 5 o'clock in the morning while trying to block out footsteps. Please help. Desperate for a good night's sleep. This is so hard. I wish I had more help to offer. (laughs) I wish I could ride in on a white horse and wave a wand and make this better. Well, and they've already done like a couple other things. Like they did the nice introduction. They've tried to say hi. And now they're dealing with they hear arguments and they hear noises yeah. that go bump in the night. And and the, the lack of discretion about those things makes you wonder about what mm-hmm. kind of response you're going to get. Aww. And I think you're really wise to be paying attention to those cues. There's all kinds of ways that we figure each other out and figure out <laughs> who we want to be involved with and how much. Right? And, and at the same time, you don't want to give them the advice to be afraid to actually 
go forth and make an ask. Like retaliation yeah. shouldn't be the fear here. No, and, and exactly. Yeah. And I, I have layers of, of thoughts. Totally. The first one is it reminds so me of our, remember our country cousin version of this question? Yeah, no, it was the it one was with the, the loggers and the builders and the all that, right? The very rural version and totally. this, an addition was going on in a house nearby. And it was like two acres away. How do you tell someone that's bothering you? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, city cousin, this is a, a, a reminder that, that neighbor issues pop up just about every way, and they all have their own form, and it's not like you could necessarily find the cabin in the woods that's going to let you get away from this kind of issue for the rest of your life. So I, I appreciate your willingness to engage, and I'm just going to encourage you to keep it up um, on a couple of different levels. One, I think thinking of yourself as an ambassador and just continuing to make overtures, doing whatever you can to develop relationships with your neighbors so that you can do all of the things that you want to do here. You can talk to them just about general awareness of how much you hear. If they're above you, they might not have an idea of exactly how how thin the floors and the walls are. And just the ability to broaden that perspective a little bit might go a long way. It might not. It might be that what they do when they get up at 530 in the morning is what they're doing to get ready for work or whatever their day entails. Totally. And it's going to be one of those things where there's not a lot you can do about yeah. it. But there might be, and we don't know yet. I'm thinking about the gate and the banging and the clanging gate. And that might be another thing where a little awareness helps. It might be the kind of thing where you can offer to install a little rubber bumper on it that's going to reduce that noise to almost nothing. But again, you're going to need to have some kind of relationship with... Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. 
your neighbors in order to get there. I think the cookies were a good first step. I think the next thing that we would recommend in our book is that you take a look at whatever organization is set up to do it. Sometimes there's a homeowners association. Sometimes there's a condominium association. I have a halfway step between that. How about it? So they've dropped off chocolates at the front step and introduced themselves that way. But obviously you can hear when they're home and when they're not home. So what if you went up and knocked on the door and introduced yourself Gave your phone number to exchange Mm -hmm. just for things like said, you know, hey, just wanted to exchange some contact info so that if there ever was trouble or if you ever needed us to check up on something, we could. And I was thinking about raising the issue in the association, but using the association to to meet them. But you got to meet them. Exactly. You got to meet them first. So maybe meet them first and then go to to the level of landlord. And not around the problem. And it's really it's about getting to know each other, building a relationship. (laughs) Yeah. As far as the way that you talk to them about this stuff, it doesn't need to be fraught. And sometimes a difficult discussion isn't as difficult as we imagine. Our nerves about it are what make it difficult. And I think you're wise to have those nerves. You want to honor that a little bit because you don't want to give offense and you don't want to seem accusatory. And a little bit of mental preparation is going to help you avoid that when you do talk to them. You might say something like, hey, you know. I just wanted to come up and introduce myself, exchange some contact info. Feel free to always give us a call if anything's up, cars in the driveway, or, you know, you need us to put a package inside the building. I don't know quite what the circumstances might be, but try to think of some helpful things to offer. And then don't use this first interaction as a time to complain. Build a couple niceties in between it. And then when you have a little bit more rapport built up with them, you can say something like, hey, Kelly, I've just noticed that the walls in the house are really, really thin. I was wondering if there's any chance that in the early morning or late at night you guys could walk around without your shoes on. Or maybe you could just consider – closing that gate really quietly just because it's right next to the head of our bed and, you know, we hear it every morning and it would just, it would be the nicest thing I like the way you, you did that. You you contacted it. You're new in the building. Yeah. So things are changing. Acknowledge that you're raising issues that maybe were, maybe weren't there before. Right. That, that's a nice little allowance. Also, bringing up just one point might give them a, exactly. a little bit of an indication. They might take the hint and, yeah. and broaden their understanding a little bit and think about some of those other things yeah. also. Yeah. We wish you the best of luck and hopefully many long and good night's sleep are ahead. Our next question is titled, Stop Talking to Me. Hi, Daniel and Lizzie. I recently discovered your podcast and you have instantly become my favorite travel companions. I went on a bit of a binge listening to a handful of podcasts in a row during a long solo road trip. One of the episodes I listened to was about holiday travel. I try to be friendly while traveling, but took the advice of being extra friendly during the holidays, as you suggested. It made security a breeze, and I swear I could feel the people relaxing a little bit more around me, too. I even felt calmer. Then, I quickly took my seat on the plane, put my bag under the seat in front of me, and promptly plugged my headphones in. Since I typically travel with my boyfriend and dog, traveling alone can be a little anxiety-inducing. But I was looking forward to tuning out and relaxing for the entire three-hour flight. I had, of course, plenty of awesome etiquette podcasts to listen to. The lady next to me complimented me and I returned the nicety, channeling my inner Emily Post being a gracious traveler. However, I found myself stuck in a conversation with the woman that spanned the entire flight. I sent plenty of cues, both verbal, thanks, it was great chatting, and nonverbal, keeping my earphones in, suggesting I was not interested in talking but couldn't get her to stop. 
I could tell she was nervous, and I think talking was calming her down. It ruined my flight, though. As an introvert, I needed the three hours of alone time to brace myself from the 24-7 company that is the holiday season. Was there something else I could do to let her know I wasn't interested in talking for three hours? Was there something I could say, or was I doomed for a three-hour flight? Sincerely, not Chatty Cathy. Oh, not Chatty Cathy. Dan and I are seasoned travelers, and we sympathize. I feel like this boils down to two choices. And either you are going to recognize, like I think you did, that this was probably calming this other person down a bit. And you're going to just say, "Okay, I'm helping someone else right now. And darn it, I'm going to feel good about it. And I'm just this is not what I had planned is not what I wanted, but it's what's happening. And I'm rolling with it with the best of intentions. That's option A. And it's certainly a great option. But I just want to encourage you. You do not have to do option A because option B is get explicit and blunt. And I really think it's important sometimes to actually spell you. You said that you told her once, like, this has been such a nice chat. Thank you. And your earphones are in all signals she should have taken as time to time to stop. But when someone doesn't pick up on those cues and they are a stranger to you, I do not think you are obligated to then just roll over and play nice. So. I might say something very directly like, ma'am, this has been lovely, but I'm going to listen to my podcast now and let myself enjoy some quiet. And then I would put them in and I would close my eyes and I would just not respond. And that seems like it's not the etiquette thing to do. It does. But at the same time, there are some days where, like you said, this isn't normal, like casual travel where it's not a big deal in the place you're going to. You're going to be alone all the time. This was holiday travel. You needed that three hour flight. And you gave the cues. You, you did. did. You did the polite things that yeah. that should have been enough for someone to pick up on them yeah. before you just escalate. It's not like you just cut her yeah. off and said, no, I'm not going to talk to you. You did the dance. You engaged a little bit. You were civil with the people around you. That's all really important. But that moment does come when you are allowed to set your boundaries and human attention is a gift. No one can demand it from you. And here's the thing. When you go to this next level that Dan and I are talking about, it's not about all of a sudden being uncivil or being rude. It's not like you're going to tell her shut up. Like that is not what we are saying to do. We are not saying that once you've been polite, you then get licensed to be rude. We're just saying that you get licensed to put up a polite boundary and stick to it. And sometimes that sticking to it is a little uncomfortable because it it feels a little on the rude side, but it's not blatant rudeness. I have to mention because I watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles over the holiday break and the scene where Steve Martin can't get his seat in first class. He ends up in coach and he's sitting next to John Candy and Candy's just talk, 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 talk. And Steve Martin just wants to sleep. And he says something to him and Candy's saying back to him, isn't it terrible when you end up next to some blabbermouth who just doesn't know when to shut up? I mean, this is such a classic scenario. I think what makes that scene so funny, I was thinking about it just now, is how Candy's bad behavior draws the bad behavior out of Steve Martin. It's actually Steve Martin's response to John Candy that is so hysterical in its inappropriateness that it gets under his skin. This person who misses the subtle social cues aggravates him to the point where it brings out the side of him that's equally ill-mannered. Even more ill-mannered, right? And and that's worse than what Candy's doing, and the cycle is repeated throughout the movie. But this is the one of those moments where you really it crystallizes and 
you just want to remind yourself you don't want to end up the Steve Martin. You don't want to end up the butt of the joke. And I really, really like what Lizzie just said about about license that that I'm operating from that place of genuine goodwill, even when you set your boundaries is is what it's all about. And that really is one of the classic etiquette questions. Thank you so much for bringing it to all of our attention. And I hope your future travel is a little bit more relaxing. But there's more. What's that? More questions coming up, but first a word from our sponsors. Here, let's try another trick. Our next question has to do with scheduling snafus. Hello, Lizzie and Dan. I recently took on the role of board president for a small nonprofit organization, which I'm very excited about. However, over the past few months, in spite of repeated attempts, I have been unable to schedule a meeting with the new board members. A colleague suggested using an online scheduler in which all members can easily indicate the days and times they are available, and I thought my problem would be solved. I was wrong. My most recent attempt to provide a day and time included 24 possible combinations. Not one of them was suitable for all members. Most only selected two or three possible times over the course of a month. I can feel my frustration beginning to mount. We do not meet more than a few times each year, and meetings are relatively short. I'm doing my best to accommodate everyone and understand that we all lead busy lives. But I'm reaching a point where I feel the need to ask people to be more accommodating, give a little on their schedule so that we can take care of some business. Am I out of line to do this? If it's acceptable, what is the best way to approach this situation? Thank you so much for your insights, Best Jay. Jay, I sympathize. (laughs) This is a topic that made our 18th edition book, the question of volunteering and the way that you can volunteer well and have it be something that helps feed you and not be something that drains you is a, a question that sometimes comes down to questions of etiquette because so often the people that are participating in nonprofits and on boards aren't getting paid and they're doing this type of work out of the goodness of their heart, which can make it difficult to establish accountability to each other and even to yourself necessarily. And one of the, the first tips that we give in our book about the 18th edition when we talk to people about volunteering is really thinking about what you can afford and that's what you can afford mentally as well as emotionally and actually in terms of material time and commitment. So what do you do? (laughs) Really good question. What do you do? (laughs) You talk to them and you talk to them about your difficulty scheduling and you see if you can get them to aid you. Try to engage people with the problem so that you can all find a solution that's going to work together because it's not necessarily going to be possible to make demands of your your fellow board members. They're going to have all of the same answers that they have in their head when they're filling out that schedule and say, I'm only available this time, this time, and this time. So what might you write in an email to the whole group or I'm assuming do you think email would be the best way to do this oftentimes I mean if you know these people well if you see them in other situations and I'm thinking something along the lines of you're the master of sample scripts help me out I wanted to reach out to everybody I'm having trouble getting our next meeting scheduled and I was wondering if anyone had any ideas or had any suggestions I thought this new scheduling system would work (laughs) and it hasn't helped us find a solution does anybody have any ideas kick it back out to the group. It might just be that it's a question of them broadening a little bit, just being aware that there's some difficulty scheduling. Oh, I only put down the times that were the best for me. I could put down some times that are... 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Not the best, but I can make it. And all of a sudden you're able to find some overlap and get it done. I might even add to that sample script you just had and say, you know, would really love it if people could let me know if some of these dates that they've indicated are blocked are movable because it would so help to just get one time. The meeting's only going to be X amount of time. I'll make sure it stays short. But we really need to make this happen. We're committed to this organization as a group, and I would love for us to be able to schedule this time together, yeah. right? Like, no, and you can start to establish standards for the organization by how you communicate. So if you get an email from someone, reply to it immediately. Start to build the expectation within this relationship for how you'd like to see things done by modeling the behavior that you'd like to see. And you can do that in all kinds of ways besides what you actually say. If you don't have the energy to do that, if you don't have the energy to be that type of leader, to model that type of behavior, it might not be the right time for you to be running and organizing and managing this board. If the task of organizing, if just getting the meeting to happen is such a demand that it starts to stress you out and makes it difficult for you to even do that work well, I think it's worth evaluating the commitment, whether it makes good sense to you. If it's something you really care about, if it's worth the work and the effort, I think it's not going to be too difficult to put that time in. But you, you might have to do some work to start to change the organizational culture that you're dealing with. I would also say that when you do get this meeting scheduled, because I have confidence that with an email like what Dan suggested, you will, I think that I would make sure that the last five minutes of the next meeting or the last 10 minutes of the next meeting are spent scheduling the meeting to come in three or four months, whenever it is. That way, everyone's in person. They can kind of hear what you're dealing with and make sure that that is an, an agenda item on the meeting schedule. I yeah. really like that idea, the old ounce of prevention worth a pound, pound of cure. cure. Don't leave yourself in the same situation. You're not out of line at all asking people to help you reach a solution here. And like Lizzie said, I'm sure you're going to find one that works for everybody. So I'm going to feed our next question to Lizzie. It's a big pizza dilemma from Colorado. On a recent occasion, I had a couple who are also relatives stay over at my house for a few days. During their stay, it was decided to order a pizza and have it delivered. Besides it taking the couple three hours, seriously, to decide on toppings and actually order the pizza, I have a question about my obligation with regards to the toppings. Over the course of three hours, I was asked several times if I wanted mushrooms on the pizza, and every time I replied with, I don't care, which meant I'm easygoing about it and that I really sincerely did not care. I could go either way, with or without mushrooms. It was decided by the couple to put mushrooms on half the pizza. 
When the pizza arrived, I nonchalantly grabbed a slice without mushrooms and was immediately chastised by the female of the couple for not selecting one with mushrooms, at which time I replied, I said that I did not care. At this point, the female of the couple started eating fast and did not say anything for the rest of the meal. She was obviously upset that I did not pick the slice of pizza she thought that I should pick. My question is, am I obligated to select a slice with mushrooms after I repeatedly said that I did not care? What etiquette is appropriate for my guests? The male of the couple ordered and paid for the pizza, but it was at my house, so I don't know if any of these facts play into this. Please advise. Thanks. Pizza Weary in Colorado. I think these types of questions are my favorite types of questions because not that I want to play favorites. I love all your questions, but I love these questions because they're so it's so Seinfeld-esque. Like, you know, it's Seinfeldian. Mm -hmm. It's and it's so the thing that you deal with. It's that little moment in Mm -hmm. your day that all of a sudden became a problem. And here's this woman shoving pizza into her. I'm guessing she was eating fast to get as many slices of the pizza she wanted to be eating as possible. That's the way I read it. That's the way I read it. And I just it cracked me up because it's like the so didn't have to be an issue. And she made it an issue. Let's this clear the so table great. and then get into the, the, the details. It, it, I don't think it matters a whole lot. Gender of the no. couple eating. No. <laughs> uh, what about who ordered and paid? I don't think that really matters I don't think either. it matters a whole, whole lot here no. either. Or whose house it's at. I would want to make sure that the person who paid for it really got a slice of what they wanted. But I don't think it matters whose house it's at. No. Yeah. that's Even though technically that's our host. You know, our guest is paying for the pizza, and and yeah. So I think yeah, you're right. Okay, so as we clear out as some of the side issues, the now side we've got a pizza and half is mushrooms and half yeah. isn't. All right. So the question is, am I obligated to select a slice with mushrooms after a police said I did not care? No, you're not obligated. You said you didn't care. You get to eat both mushroom and non-mushroom pizza. I say you get the best of both worlds. I would have a slice of each. What if? Yeah. Let's just say okay. <clears throat> there were four people there, okay. and you said, I don't care. Yeah. And two of the people said, I really don't like mushrooms. Right. And one person said, I really like mushrooms. I want mushrooms on part of it. And they said, well, this person doesn't care, so he could eat mushroom pizza. Right. So we're going to order a pizza that's and half and half, this- but the people without – Mushrooms do care. If you don't care, eat the mushrooms. I absolutely think that that is what the woman, when she was upset, was upset for exactly that reason. Me too. And I actually am going to say that as funny and sort of frivolous as this question might seem to people, I understand where she's coming from as someone who does care about sometimes if I'm if I really am one of those people hate cilantro. If there's a dish without cilantro, I'm going to be ticked if I don't get the dish without cilantro. But what I don't hear happening here, I don't hear her missing out on pizza. You know, it's not a case where it's like she should be getting more than one slice out of this. If it was a situation where everyone was only getting one slice, then I would be really tempted to say, no, the people who care need to go up and get their slice of the thing that has what they're going to be comfortable eating. And the people who don't care, I don't really want to tell you you're taking the leftovers, but you don't care. So You didn't engage in the decision-making process. You did not say meat lovers is what you have to have, you know. So, yeah, I kind of think roll with that easygoingness. I'm really curious as to what you had for your next slice of pizza. Uh I'm like, I want the (laughs) follow-up to the pizza question. I want to hear how this night ended. I feel badly that she was so upset by this. 
this. Um, I think it was unfair of her to put it on you in such a heavy laden way. Um, that is not appropriate behavior, especially for a guest. That I thought was ridiculous sounding in my head. But I do think that the appropriate etiquette for your guests, which is what you're asking about, is that if you don't care, I would make sure that my guests pick the slices that they would like. And then I would say, okay, cool. I'm going to have a slice of plain cheese this time. And maybe for my second slice, I'll have a slice of mushroom. But I just think this was one that you got caught in a moment where she really blew it out of control. And she was worried that she wasn't going to get to eat what she wanted to eat. Absolutely. As we're talking about it, I think the point of etiquette crystallizes for me a little bit that I do think that the girl has a right to give him some direction. If she didn't care and they ordered in a way that divvied up the pizza like this, she could say. Really? I think so. Really? But I don't like the way she did it. I wouldn't I s- get sullen. I wouldn't start eating fast. I Tell would say. Me how you would do that and not sound like you're the pizza We controller. just spent three orders ordering this pizza. And you said you didn't care. It really matters to me. I can't stand mushrooms. So I really want to eat a third of this pizza, not but mushrooms. Half the pizza is mushroom. Half the pizza isn't. So a third of the pizza means he should still be able to have a slice of cheese. Yes. So she could say something to him at that point without getting sullen and upset and so eating Maybe she would say something like, hey, Jerry, I I saw you grab a cheese. No, no, no. That's not what I would say because that sounds accusatory and controlling and over-observant to me. I would just say, hey, Jerry, because I hate mushrooms, would you mind saving me an extra slice of cheese? Right. Because like then it. it's like when you I feel I'm taking responsibility I'm taking, for me. I really, wants, I really my... don't want the mushroom slice. I would really love to make sure there's a slice left or or if she's a very hungry girl, there's two slices or three slices or whatever it I is. Want my portion. Yeah, to be exactly. No mushroom. Hey, guys, can we order another plain cheese pizza? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I think that might be good. I love this question. This is the kind of stuff that I love because it's both silly and important all at the same time. And and that is definitely what I love about what we get to answer. Pizza Wary in Colorado. You fired us up at Awesome you Etiquette. totally did. And Dan and I are totally ordering pizza for lunch at the office today. And Dan's giving me the thumbs up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um, I just want to say that we really hope that your next hosting event where pizza gets ordered is handled with such smooth and amazing manners that you all get the slices you deserve. We find that getting along with people is pretty important. Do you think you can do that? Oh, yes, I think I can. Can't be greedy. Thanks to everyone for sending in your questions. And remember, we love updates. If we answered your question on the show or if you have a comment about one of our questions, feel free to send it in. You really hit it out of the park this week. We asked you to send your questions last week to get us ready for our double show recordings in January. And you were awesome. You really delivered. Thank you so much. Keep it up, please. You can submit your next question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or send it in via Facebook or Twitter. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so that we know you want it on the show. Don't take it all Look in This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, 
Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Our postscript segment today, as we promised, comes out of our favorite book, The Rituals of Dinner by Margaret Visser. And it's on it's it's this sweet little section on the number of invited guests. And it's little and it's funny and it's just I thought it was cool. So so this one tickled Cousin Lizzie. It totally (laughs) did. So I brought it in and Dan's going to read it for you now. It's on page 106, I believe. Yeah. Is that 106? It is. And hopefully you have enough pizza for everyone. On guests at a dinner party. The ideal number of guests at a dinner party has always been a matter for strong opinions in Western traditions, where meals have been organized for a set number and planned, typically, round a meat course. In many other parts of the world, dinners are mostly vegetarian and divided in advance into small morsels. They lend themselves to serving of quite elastic numbers of guests. Vero said that dinners should number no fewer than the graces, three, and no more than the muses, nine. The latter figure being the number which could be comfortably accommodated in a Roman triclinium or dining room. The mad emperor, Heliogobalus, enjoyed choosing guests for their physical peculiarities. Eight bald men, eight one-eyed men, eight fat men, and so forth. He himself being always the ninth. Thirteen people sitting down to dinner is considered unlucky. And not only because either Judas or Jesus was the thirteenth man at the Last Supper. The superstition is also found in pre-Christian Greece, where there were, for instance, 12 Olympian gods, so who could be the 13th? In many other cultures as well. The Greeks and Romans disliked even numbers in any case because two meant conflict. Also, one was male, but two was female, and therefore malign. They tried hard not to allow an even number of guests to eat together, believing that it produced sinister silences in the conversation, which would result in danger for somebody present. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave you with that cool breeze. I know, right? But isn't that just so, like, I, I thought it was so cool that here you've got all these different ideas about versus, like, Western culture where meat is the main part of the thing and you only have so much versus a lot of other cultures where you wind up with, like, vegetarian options that can go on for days and they're divided into small portion. I just, I loved, and then the whole, like, well, who could be the 13th god? Like, From the Zodiac to the yeah. Bible, it really is um, an example of Margaret Visser at her best. Oh, it's so awesome. I mean, just, and what I love thinking about, too, is my table is very small. My house is not very big. So how many people can I accommodate comfortably? And what do I enjoy? You know, I never thought about whether I try to invite odd numbers or even numbers based on potential silences or or boy-girl order matching, which some hostesses used to really care about that. What about you? Do you ever think about the number of people other than just space accommodating or amount that you have to spend on the meal? Usually it's a, the sort of a, a max and a min. Yeah. This is how many Seats at the table, plates in the set, totally. servings in the piece of meat. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's definitely some of this thinking that goes on, but it's a layer deep and you don't think about it yeah. until you read it. Yeah. I love the idea, though, of I'm, I'm going to invite like 10 bald men to the table or not, or eight bald men or like, you know, like inviting mm-hmm. people like, oh, we all have blonde hair or, you know, we're all uh, in finance or we all shop at this store or something like that. I got such a kick out, like, I which also wanna... makes me wonder. So is he fat, bald and old? 
if Maybe. he's the ninth for all of those? <laughs> one-eyed. One, oh, what, was that one-eyed was yeah. one of them? <laughs> I love it. I love it. She, man, this book, I got to tell you, if you are at all interested in all things dining, this book is fantastic. It has so many humorous and interesting sections in it. I can't wait to read more. Thank you, Margaret. You mean that's all there is, just what we've talked about? Oh, no. You can learn still more by watching Mother and Dad and other people who have good men. Today's etiquette salute begins. Hello, Daniel and Lizzie. I'd like to nominate the staff of Trader Joe's in my hometown for an etiquette salute. I'm the mother of two very small boys, an 18-month-old and a newborn. Recently, I went to Trader Joe's on my own for the first time, and while everyone was in a good mood when we walked through the door, the situation quickly devolved into the toddler demanding to be fed and the newborn screaming from his car seat. I was able to calm the toddler by giving him a cereal bar, which he promptly smeared all over his face, and I had to pick the newborn up to get him to stop crying. When I pushed my cart one-handedly to the sample station to get a napkin and try to wipe up my older child, the gentleman manning the station saw how much I was struggling. Not only did he give me a wet paper towel to clean up my child, he also had another employee come assist me with my shopping. The second employee pushed my cart for me, entertained my toddler with funny faces and stickers, and grabbed my groceries from the shelves as I rattled off what I needed. She had another employee open a new register just for me, helped me out to my car, and loaded up my groceries for me. And as I was strapping my now calm children into the car, she ran back with a bouquet of flowers because some days you just need flowers. I was incredibly touched by how these people who didn't know me went out of their way to help and give my family and me a great experience. Bravo, TJ's employees. You've won a customer for life. Sincerely, Megan Iskin from Noblesville, Indiana. Certainly living up to the name, right? I think so, too. And thank you. amazing experience. It's an amazing. And for naming the company by name, we'll just say it again. That's the Trader Joe's in Noblesville, Indiana. Thank you so much for all that you did to make this person, our listener, Megan's Day, just one to remember. Yeah. A lot of my friends, you know, have kids now. A lot of them have gone on to their second child and they're just exclaiming like, oh, my gosh, one, at least I could have a free arm while I held them in one. And now with two, it's like I got nothing. I don't know how to do You know, this is complicated. It's hard. It's difficult. And that is such a wonderful example of a store really saying, hey, we can make this easier for you. And whether they do this all the time or this was a special moment, it was such a great etiquette salute. It was such great moment of consideration on their part. Well, now, wasn't that better? Look at the effect of a little politeness. That's our show for today. Thank you for spending some of your week with us. And remember, there's no show without you. So please send us your questions, your comments, and suggestions, and of course, your etiquette salutes. If you like what you hear, please don't be shy. Tweet it, Facebook post it. And of course, you can subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. On Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post. And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. Or you can visit our website, emilypost.com. Our theme music was composed and performed by Bob Wagner, and our show is produced by Hans Buto. 